It is very, very, very windy. I'm trying to stand behind this wall here. There's a wall right to my right. And the camera and the microphone is away from the wind. And my face is towards the wind, so I'm hoping the audio will be okay. But I'm in Superior, Colorado today at uh, Sycamore and Marshall. And right behind me is Whole Foods. And uh, around the corner is the Costco warehouse. And, uh, Target has a superstore over there. Very busy location. A lot of people come out of Boulder. They get off the turnpike right down here, just around the corner, and they come right by here. So this is uh, where people from Boulder also see me. But this is another city all by itself. And, uh, but it's a city that doesn't want Jesus. And I've had the sheriff, because sheriffs patrol this part of the city. So uh, I've had sheriff called last about two or three times ago, whatever it was, uh, the sheriff called on me and uh, didn't find anything wrong. So it's just, it's crazy. People don't like Jesus, so they call the cops. And as of now, the cops, there's nothing they can do because I'm not breaking the law. And uh, he's very friendly to me, and I was friendly to him, very cordial. He was very respective to me, respectful, and uh, it's a good encounter. So now I know more of what this is. Because when the police stopped, uh, I thought this was private property. And he said, no, it's not private property. Uh, this is the Superior Marketplace right here. And oftentimes when they do the colored sidewalks, it's a part of the mall. So you cannot preach on private property. And that's why I preach just over the side of the, on the other concrete. Well, this wind is really ferocious. And uh, you can't put gospel tracts in mailboxes. Do not do that. That's against the law. That's a federal law. You don't want to break the law. So be respectful of the laws of your city and your county and your state and of the country. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we can come out on the street in this frigid cold and uh, the wind. But we come out here anyways, at least for a few hours. And uh, we do what we can do out here. And uh, every day goes by, but we do a little bit every day. And that builds up over time. And uh, don't know if I can last the whole watch out here, 11 to 3, but we'll see what we can do. Uh, I'm thinking about cutting off at 2 o'clock because this wind is just, I know it's going to tear me apart. And uh, it's supposed to really pick up in just a little bit to 30 or 40 miles an hour. So uh, that's just too much. And it's just so frigid cold. And they're getting good three hours in here over here. So just talking to you, Lord. And I just say thank you for allowing people to listen while I talk to you. And I ask your blessings upon each one of them who are listening and watching this uh, street sermon for Thursday, February 8th, 2024. In your name, Jesus. Amen and amen. Oh man, this wind is just. Hang on, I gotta zip things up again. It's like an arctic wind. I got here and there wasn't a bit of wind. Was, in fact, I took some of the stuff off me. But that wind kicked up and it hasn't stopped. I was kind of waiting to do the video before thinking the wind would slow down. So understand that my sermons and my videos here are not little snippets of, a, of a, an event. I literally preach a sermon and it's a complete full sermon and I also give my life. I'm trying to be an example to people 
and uh, to to show what whatever God wants to show you. But uh, I'm 70 years old. I'm a retired truck driver. Spent 40 years as a professional driver, and a uh, little over, or well over, over three million miles. Well over three million miles. But I say three million. And I started trucking in September of 1977, and I ended in April. 22nd 2017 so that's uh, a long time <laughs> and uh, in the first 10 years I was an owner operator I owned three different trucks during the 10-year period one of them was leased two of my owned and then I sold or gave away anyways I let me just say sold <laughs> it just sounds better people don't understand giving <laughs> I sold my third truck and uh, then I went to work for the company, and I stayed at that company for 27 years, 25 years. I started there in September of 1989, and I retired in April 22, 2017, which is when I went into my trucking career, and I was, I took off during those, whatever timeline that is, is 25, 27, 22, I can't, it's just whatever it is. Uh, about there's about five years and they're all mixed at three different times that I took off to do missionary work That's the benefit of being a long-haul truck driver. Uh, you can take time off and there's always a seat waiting for you when you come back That's just the life of a trucker so uh, that's what I did. I've been on six missionary trips and uh, Went to Bible school went to It's actually ministry training uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma I started at Rama Bible Training Center and I ended up at Victory Christian Center at Victory Bible Institute on the Oral Roberts University campus. And I stayed there for five years and then I got ordained and licensed in the state of Oklahoma to be a minister. And then we moved to Redding, California and I started ministry at Little Country Church, uh, non-profit, I'm just volunteer because I'm still driving truck and I've uh, never been a full-time minister. Never been a paid full-time minister. And uh, so I stayed there a little country for, I think, two years, two and a half years, whatever it was, three years. Could have been three years, 89, 99, or two, probably three years. And then uh, the Lord moved us from little country to Bethel Church on Bocelli Lane, the Assemblies of God Bethel Church that everyone knows now that's up on College Hill. And uh, we stayed there all the way until I left Reading in 2017. So it was 1992 or three, somewhere in there, 92, and all the way to 2017 at Bethel Church. And I worked in lots of different areas and churches, uh, done everything, was on the praise and worship team, that's where my ministry really kind of began. And then uh, I uh, was an usher, Sunday school teacher, uh, prayer, prayer counselor on the altar, at the altar, and uh, also gave several sermons or talks from the stage and uh, uh, several words of prophecy, tongue and interpretation. I'm Holy Ghost filled. And uh, uh, it was a part of a pastor's event for probably two or three years, two and a half years. Uh, uh, two or three dozen pastors together as a part of that. And uh, been working in the ministry for uh, May will be 50 years I've been serving Christ. Uh, and in my, these years, I've probably passed out, let's see, it's uh, 
well over 30,000 tracks I've placed. Uh, me and other people joined together. And uh, we're going to double that. We're praying to double that this year. We're praying to double to pass out another 30,000 this year, Lord willing. And so we're always working. My main uh, vision for my personal life is that there are a million people in heaven because I lived. That's been my focus ever since I was probably nine years old and I'm 70, I'll be 71 this year in 2024. And I'm a Vietnam veteran. I spent six years in the military, three years active duty, two years for Vietnam and then the war ended and then uh, three years as a reserve. And uh, uh, so that's a little bit of who I am. I'm married, I got married in 1979, July 3rd, 1979, I got married. And uh, we had uh, three children, one of them passed away before, before uh, uh, in, the, in, in, in her infancy. And uh, then uh, I have two other children from other women, because uh, I was a sinner. And uh, uh, so I have five children. We have my very first child uh, also died in infancy. And uh, so I have two children in heaven and three here on earth. And uh, life goes on. And uh, so I've lived, I've traveled in 23 countries and I've uh, been around the world uh, two, three times, two or three times, two times, three times, something like that. I think it's two times. Uh, maybe not all the way around the world, but enough mileage to go around the world because I traveled to Indonesia two or three times with my brother and uh, he took me scuba diving over there in the China Sea and the Phil Philippine Sea, and I'm not sure about that, but uh, South Pacific and all the, over by Turk Islands, they, all kinds of places, but I also scuba dived all throughout the Mediterranean and in the uh, Atlantic and I scuba dived in the Pacific Ocean. I was a scuba diver, uh, certified scuba diver in 1971 and I dove all the way to just a few years ago before moving to Boulder. And uh, um, I've owned lots of different businesses. I started owning businesses when I was about nine or 10 years old. I had a small engine repair shop when I was about nine or 10 years old. And uh, I've had many, many different businesses. My, I wanted to be a businessman all my life, but God called me from the womb of my mom when my mom was, she had me. I, she was uh, 24 years old, and God came into her when she was having a checkup, and uh, she said to me that uh, God came in the room where I was having, I, was, I think it was uh, second trimester, that's what she said, and God came in the room and pointed to my stomach. Uh, he was, the doctor was out of the room. And God came in the room, pointed to my stomach, mom said, and said this, I'm calling him out of your womb to be a priest. And uh, in mom's own way of doing things, she's a pretty stubborn woman, <laughs> kind of a feisty Southern California girl, uh, she said no to God because she wanted children and grandchildren. And at that time in the Catholic Church, we were Catholics, uh, priests could not get married, therefore they couldn't have children, and she wasn't guaranteed another child. So. I was first born, so she said no. And that ushered in Satan in a big time. So when the doctor came in, uh, 
He said, it looks like you're going to have a girl. And he said, she said, no. Uh, she told the story. She gave the testimony to the doctor. And he said, God called him a him. It's a boy. I'm a boy. So uh, God knows what is inside your womb. Now, you may think of something else, but God knows if you're a boy or a girl. You're not born in the wrong body. That's the most idiotic, stupid thing any, any intelligent uh, mankind could think. But that's what's happening in the world. People are being deceived everywhere you go. And uh, so I lived in witchcraft from day zero all the way till I was uh, 19 years old, 19 and a half years old, witchcraft. I was a fortune teller and I did a lot of new age, a lot of mystical things. I had a very strong prophetic gift in the satanic world and I ended up being involved in a Satanist home church with about 20 to 30 people. And uh, one night, uh, our whole house, it was a house church, uh, it just filled with devils. I mean, maxed out with devils. And they were ripping and tearing the whole place apart, physically, physically. Walls were being beat, glasses were breaking, doors were pounding. It scared all 30 people. And I remember all of us running out of the front door of the house, scared, screaming at the top of our lungs. I'll never forget that. That was the, and I was stoned. It was before I became a Christian. I'm a drug addict. I was a drug addict at that time. In the Navy, that's Navy time. When I was when I was in port, that's what we do. I did, I wanted nothing to do with being a Christian, because being raised as Catholic, I saw nothing but hypocrisy. People saying one thing and doing another. Oh, I'm so good and wonderful. And then they go and beat their husbands and wives. They tear apart things and they drink and they cuss and they live for the devil. And I said, I want nothing to do with that thing. And because of that, I tried probably every religion on the planet. I ain't kidding. I, you name it, I probably have tried it. I searched every religion on the planet, trying to find one that I can uh, join. Uh, but nothing made sense to me, and I gave up on all that. I said, well, that's all junk. Uh, I knew there was a God. I knew there was a God. Somehow, I just knew there was a God, a real God, a creator, a maker of heaven and earth type God. And uh, I, uh, after that horrid event with the devils in that house, uh, I, didn't ever, I never went back. I ended that right there. I ended all that satanic work. I just ended it right there. That was just so obviously evil that I want nothing to do with that ever again. It's kind of what I pray out here. Lord, open their eyes so they can really see Satan for what he is. And so people call him, hail Satan all the time. They don't even know who he is. And that's Satan himself. That's not just little devils with little power. And that's what showed up. Satan didn't show up. These devils showed up. Anyways, uh, and a lot of people don't even believe there are devils. Anyways, uh, I had six guys on board my Navy ship praying and praying and praying for approximately 18 months, year and a half. And I went and they, just, they kept asking me, and I said, no, no, I don't want nothing, no, don't, don't even pray for me. I don't want nothing to do with that stuff. And during that 18 months, I tried to go over, go over the uh, bridge. I'm quartermaster, navigation, so I'm up on the bridge a lot. And uh, one time I was on the bridge, and it was kind of quiet. And uh, we're sailing along. I don't know where we were, someplace in the world. And uh, 
I attempted to go over the side. I had planned, I'm just gonna go over the side. I'm so sick of this. I, I can't, I'm so, endro I, I was encased in fear. I was encased in addiction. I was encased in, in everything evil. It was just the most horrid thing. I had so much rebellion in me. It was beyond measure. People said you looked evil when they looked at me. Uh, I was, I looked about 10 years older than I was. Here I am, 19 and a half. I looked like I was 29 or 30 years old. I looked so old, so old. And uh, I just gave up, you know, I just gave up. And I had planned to go over the side. And I tried it one time. I figured it's about 70 feet down from the bridge to the water. And then uh, I figured if the fall doesn't kill me, then the, the, the waves will bring me under the into the boat where the propellers are and I'll be shark food <laughs> and uh, so when I had one leg I was ready to go over and somebody pulled me back and I looked around trying to see who that was and there was nobody there now, but somebody I know somebody grabbed me and pulled me back I looked around and nobody there I tried that a second time several months later. Same, same bridge, same as on the port side, on the bridge, AFF 58, AF 58, USS Regal. It's decommissioned now because it's an old ship. I tried a second time, and on the second time, somebody again pulled me back. And that was the last time. I said, man, there's something going on here. It was so bizarre. But there was nothing around me. I didn't feel evil, I didn't feel bad. Felt like somebody protected me. So one day we went to battle stations, and when you go to battle stations during wartime, uh, you don't know how long you're gonna stay there. It could be a long time, it could be a short time, it's hard to say. And uh, when the guns are going off, the ship rocks. It's a mess, it's really hard. <clears throat> Anyways, my duty station, my Battle station is on after steering because I'm a quartermaster helmsman. So I went down to down to the bottom of the ship, all the way in the back, on top of the rudder is a steering station. It's the first place that gets bombed out or the pilot house. So either place I would be the first one killed on boat. And so when I got to after steering, right there was one of the six guys praying for me, Fred Birch from Farmington, Michigan. And he had his big King James black Bible. And I said, Fred, you want to leave your Bible? And he said, sure, here, John. <laughs> he didn't call me John. I had another name at that time. I had a wicked, evil name at that time. God gave me a new name. And so I sat down after staring, you know, radioed everybody, says, I'm here, you know, blah, 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 whatever you have to say. I can't remember now been so long ago. <clears throat> that was probably 1973, 72. I, I can't, it's, it gets foggy sometimes. I try to tell the story enough to stay clear, but I get foggy, especially as I get older. So anyways, uh, I read for five hours. Battle Station was for five hours. I just opened the front cover and I just read every word. I didn't care what I was reading. I just said copyright, made by, printed in, and I just read the contents, and I read for five hours. 
And then I battle station ended and uh, I gave Bible back to Fred. And I remember Fred asking me, uh, do you want to pray? I said, no, thank you very much, or whatever I said. And uh, a couple weeks later, thereabouts, it wasn't very long later, maybe month, I don't think it was a month long. I was laying in my middle rack. I was leading petty officer on board ship about in a, I mean, no, leading petty officer in the navigation department, quartermaster, leading petty officer. So I had the middle rack in the operations department on board our ship. And uh, I laid in that bunk and I prayed, Jesus, if you're real, here I am. And the moment I said, here I am, my whole bunk filled with this bright, bristling, spectacularly white light. And I froze, laying in that bunk, solid froze. And out of that light came a hand and an arm to the elbow, came out of the light and went into my stomach. And then it did kind of a wiggle a little bit. It disappeared up to about the wrist into my stomach area. And then the hand, the arm pulled out this and it had a fist now, and in the fist was a about a 10 inch black, looked to me like a black rod iron fish hook. Had a hook on the end, had an eye on the top, you know, for your line, and it had a hold, it was about this far from my face, just, you know, a foot away from my face, and I said with startling eyes, I said, what is that? And the voice in the light said, that is the hook of drugs. When he said drugs, the fish hook disappeared, the hand disappeared and the light disappeared in that order. It was just like that, one, two, three, the light was gone. And I was 100% completely set free of drug addiction. I was on some very hard drugs. And I was set free of fear, paranoia. I was set free of rebellion. I was set free of every wicked thing that was in my life at that time. And I became a child of God. I was born again. I was one way 30 seconds earlier, and I was another way 30 seconds later. And I've, never, I've been clean for all these years. I've never gone back to drugs, not even one single time, ever. Two weeks later, the, the same voice that I heard in the light, I remember that voice just as clear as if it happened this morning. I mean, it just was so clear. And it said, I want you to preach Remember what my mom said? I'm calling him out of your womb to be a priest. We're priests of God, right? Two weeks later, he says, I want you to preach. I want you to minister. But first, I want you to go to school. And I said, yes, Lord. I said yes to the calling of God on my life. And within that week, uh, we had a Bible study on board our ship. And so I went to the Bible study. There's probably, you know, 10 guys, eight, nine, 10 guys there. It wasn't a lot. We were sitting on the deck down in some compartment somewhere on board ship. I don't know where it was. I think I've only been there once, because I did other things after that. And they started reading the Bible. When they started reading the Bible, and they started talking about what they were reading, I don't know what they read, something came over me. A very distinct something came over me. And all of a sudden, I said, that's not what it says. And I remember to this day, all those eyes stopped, everybody stopped talking, and they looked straight at me. I was so embarrassed. And uh, I said, what does it say? 
And uh, so I explained the scripture, and that was my first sermon. And I talked that whole service, that whole Bible study. That was my first preach on board USS Regal, AF-58. And I started my life in the ministry. There was a Lutheran chaplain on board, and in wartime, every ship is supposed to have a chaplain on board, but because of our ship size, a small ship, small crew size, our ship was big, but we had just a small crew. Uh, we had, I did 14 cruises during those three years of active duty, and uh, one of those cruises, of one of 14, the other 13, we had no chaplain. But this one cruise that I was on, that I got saved on, somewhere in the world, I don't know where I was, can't even tell you, can't even think of where I was in the world, someplace. But I was on board Navy ship, we were out of sea, and uh, uh, there was a chaplain on board, and the Lord directed me to go to the chaplain and tell your story. So I went into the Lutheran chaplain on board our ship, that one single cruise only, and I told the whole story. And he confirmed that, yes, you're born again, yes, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, yes, you're called in the ministry, and he just, just confirmed everything that the Holy Ghost was telling me, that God was telling me, or whatever I said at that time. And that really set me in the ministry. Now let me go a couple a little farther here. So I started serving Christ on board my ship, however I could. I started reading my little Berkeley version Bible, New Testament, that they gave us out of boot camp. And uh, that's all I had. I preached out of that Berkeley version, New Testament, for probably from 1974 to 1978, four years. I never read a whole Bible. All I had was my New Testament. God never gave me a Bible. And I never had the unction to go get one. I just preached and read out of the Berkeley version. New, you know, Berkeley version is what it was. And I still have it at home someplace. And uh, I got that in boot camp in 1970, June of 1972. And uh, so several months later, six months later, eight months later, uh, maybe a year, and it wasn't something like that. It wasn't a year. So I'm going to say four to six months, seven months. Uh, during that time, what was happening to me is Satan is bombarding me that I'm not worthy to be a minister of God. I'm not worthy. And he brought up all this junk, all this sin, all this garbage in my past, and I struggled continuously because I had nobody to talk to, nobody to talk to that understood uh, Satan. I understood Satan, but all the Christians on board ship were all Baptists. They don't talk about Satan. They don't, they don't do that, God. They don't cast out devils. I needed a deliverance. I had devils around my life. And anyways, uh, so I remember after being constantly harassed and harassed and harassed, I just couldn't take the continual, almost 24 hours a day, seven days a week harassment from Satan. I didn't know to resist him. I'd never been to church. I didn't know the Bible. I'd had no training, no nothing. You gotta understand that. I had nothing to rely on. I came out of the Satanist church. I can't use Satan's technology and, and doctrine to tech, tech doctrine to do that. So I remember walking out of the chart house into the radar room. We were in port because there was nobody in the radar room. The bridge was quiet, and I was doing some work in the quartermaster you know, chart house where all of our charts and we do all our navigation stuff in, all of our stuff there. And I remember walking out into the radar room 
and I remember saying out loud, God, I, don't, I can't do that, or I can't, uh, I don't want to be a minister, or I can't do that, I'm not worthy, or something like that. I can't remember what I said. But at the moment I said that, I felt a whoosh. And instantly, I knew I made a mistake. I instantly, I knew I made a mistake. I should never have said that. And from 19 and a half, I say I was 20, like I say, but I was probably about 19 and a half because it was 10 years from 19 to 29 that Satan never stopped harassing me. I had 10 years of complete horror in the ministry. I never stopped preaching though because I was called to preach and I was anointed. I didn't stop even though God lifted off me. I was still talking and ministering, passing out tracts. I was learning, learning, learning. I wouldn't shut up about Jesus. And uh, then in 29, and when I was 29, I went to Bible down to Tulsa where I started the story. And uh, that's where I had my major deliverance. It was a three hour deliverance to cast out. I'm not gonna tell the number because people can't conceive of that number. We had, and I can't even tell anything about it. Uh, there one day I'll tell the whole story and I have told the story many, many times on radio, in churches and things like that, because it's so spectacular. It was a dramatic, spectacular event of devils being cast out of me. And the reason the devils occupied me was told that because he's a man of God. That was the, that was the reason the principality told Mark Turner, the assistant pastor to victory. He's a man of God. That's why we're here, attacking him. My whole life changed after that. God gave me a new name, John, and I started in the ministry. And now Satan started attacking my wife and never let up on her until she was 40 years old, back in 1994. She finally gave up on me because Satan came into her and destroyed her life for about five to six years. She finally repented, came back to the Lord, but by that time, she had destroyed her marriage, destroyed her family, and destroyed everything in her life, and she's been struggling ever since, but she's still serving the Lord. And so when people come to me and tell me, oh, being a Christian is a piece of cake, and being a minister is so wonderful, I can go on until I have stories and stories and stories. I can talk for hours and hours. I can talk all night long on the things that God has done in my life and what I've done in the Lord. And I'm still serving God today here in Superior, Colorado. So what's your excuse for not receiving Christ or not serving God? What is it? It can't be anything that I had. It can't be more than what happened to me. Because what happened to me was all about Satan in my life. That's why I cast out devils. That's why I'm so angry, furious, upset at ministers who refuse. Not those who don't know about it, that's different. But those who absolutely reject the ministry of casting out devils, Mark 16, 15 through 20, and all throughout the Bible. Because I know what devils do to people. They destroy your life. They destroy your ministry. They destroy your marriage. They destroy your children. They destroy your business. They destroy your career. They'll destroy everything in your life. And you don't want to cast a devil out because you don't believe in him? How stupid, how ignorant could you be? 
That needs to be a part of your ministry. Cast that devil out of people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I ain't kidding. You think Satan's backing off now? No, Satan is turning up the heat. Satan is doing a lot of things. Hang on a second. I've got to take this off because I'm this wind stopped and now it's a million degrees hot. And I dropped my Bible. Colorado weather, hot sun. But when the wind blows, it's like the Arctic. So you got hot sun, Arctic. Hot, Arctic. Hot, Arctic. And you never know how to dress. It's very challenging. I'm from California, so I, uh, I never had a problem dressing in California. You walk outside, that's how the weather is all day long and all night. Here you walk out, it's going to be frigid cold, so I'm dressed heavily. I get here, and it feels like 100 degrees out here. <laughs> Crazy. But then it feels like it's 20 below zero. Isn't that crazy? But I keep on going. <clears throat> Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we can tell our testimony. We overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb, and by the words of our testimony. And we love not our life unto death. And I fulfill all those three areas, Lord. That's why Satan is not around me. I resist him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I rebuke him out of my life. I rebuke every principality and power and wicked spirit, every unclean devil, everything, every wicked, evil thing out of my life. I'm constantly pushing him back, casting him away from me. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I keep this clean, holy space. What do you let us out? In you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. All right. How about that? I had no clue that I was going to talk that way. Oh well. But what I want to do is two scriptures here, and we'll just touch on these like I did in the scripture short. Thursday is Exodus 40:38 and Revelation 1:14. So let's go to Exodus first. You go there first, then you go to the other part second. It's the first and the last, not the last and the first. It's the first and the last. So Exodus chapter 40, verse 38. For the cloud of the Lord cloud like white get that in your mind clouds are white I got white clouds in the sky for the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day get that and fire was on it by night get white and fire right white cloud fire was upon the tabernacle by day and fire was on it by night in the sight keep that in mind too eyes sight eyes of all the house of Israel, all the children of Israel, all the house of Israel, house means family, house of Israel, throughout all their journeys for all 40 years. Got to get that verse in your mind. Now we go to the one that's connected to it as we go up this structure that we've been talking about. And that's in Revelation chapter 1, verse 14. And this is a description of Jesus. His head and his hairs were white like wool as white as snow, that's cloud, that's cloud, that's the symbol, that's cloud, all right? And his eyes, sight, eyes, were as a flame of fire, fire, over the tabernacle by night, cloud today. Jesus was at the tabernacle watching over the children of Israel, the house of Israel, all their journeys. 
Jesus never left them nor forsake them, even though he knew what was going to happen, that none of those children were going to cross over the Jordan River because of the previous rebellion. They're all, he's going to let them all die in the wilderness and then bring those that are 19 years old and younger. All those that are 20 years old and older perished in the wilderness. Those that are 19 and under went across the Jordan River with two of the eight spies who gave a good report, Joshua and Caleb. Even Moses didn't go across the Jordan River, but he saw it from a distance. From a, the Lord took him to a high mountain and gave him eyes to see the land of Canaan flowing with milk and honey. So you can see how God builds his word and connects it all together. And you know that Jesus is watching over you too. He washed over me all my life, but I'm called from the womb to be a priest. He washed over me all my life, but who else was watching me? Satan, the God of this world. And you have a choice to make. You can either serve God of this world, or you can serve the God who made the world and made Satan. It's up to you. We always have a choice. You have to sometimes really sit down and think, which way should I really go? And that's when you have to spend time before God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we can sit down before you and we can talk to you, we can counsel with you, we can take your word and we can read it and we can discuss it with you by your spirit in faith and you'll give us the answer to what choice we should make, what decisions we should make, how we should live our life, how we should build our ministry, how we should serve you and serve our ministry, serve you and our ministry. So all that, we wrap up, we wrap this sermon up, and what I'm gonna do in just a moment, lift my banner, we give that glory to you, we give that praise. I am nothing, I'm simply a servant of God. I'm an empty vessel, an honorable vessel, fit for a king. So my life is yours, Lord. My life is no longer my own. I gave my will and my life over to you long, long time ago. And that's why I serve you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my body, and everything that's in my life serves you. Everything points to you. And I thank you, Jesus, that you've used me and have used me now these last several years as an example. We praise you, Lord. In your heavenly name, Jesus, we humbly pray. Amen and amen. All right, that's it. So tomorrow's Friday. I'm going to be in Golden, Colorado. And that's the next time Then I'll be in my class at 7 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I'll be done early to catch the 820 bus. That's the last bus going to Golden. And uh, uh, I want you to receive, man, everything the Holy Ghost has for you in this sermon. Really important to receive. Don't just judge and pick and choose. Try to work with the Spirit of God and receive everything that the Lord has given you today. God bless you, man. I love you very much. Take care.